I'm not a win-win person. I'm a win-for-your-team person. My name's Mike Lander, and you're listening to Marketing Negotiations, the good, the bad, and the ugly, in partnership with The Drum, where we bring you negotiation insights from CMOs, agency leaders, and acclaimed authors. Jeb, amazing to see you. The amazing Jeb Blount. Thank you for coming on the Drums Marketing Negotiations podcast. Well, it's very nice to be back with you, Mike. We've You've been on my podcast a couple of times, and <laughs> I've been really looking forward to uh, to returning the favor. So no, I really appreciate it. Thank you. And the wealth of experience that you're going to bring to the audience today, I know is huge. It's colossal. So let's kind of get straight into your background. Who are you? What's your background? What do you do? And something unusual about yourself, if there is something. I'm sure there is, Jeb. Lots of unusual things. I have to get my wife in here to kind of explain what a, what a nut job I am. Uh, my background is I grew up in the corporate world. I started at the bottom of the rung and I climbed the ladder by making it rain. So I've, I've been in sales my whole life and I've been an individual in the street salesperson. I've also been head of sales for a massive uh, sales team. About 14 years ago, I got out of the corporate world, started a company called Sales Gravy. We're an international sales training firm and we work with companies all over the spectrum. We are not single siloed in any particular industry. So we're industry agnostic. We do uh, on-site training. We do virtual training. We provide consulting for growth acceleration initiatives and onboarding initiatives. And we have an e-learning component on Sales Gravy University. And along the way, I've written 15 books on sales and selling. And 15 books, I, Jeb. 15, 15, yes. My word. I first got to know you through the Fanatical Prospecting book. Exactly, which is which has been described as the Harry Potter of sales. Right. Uh, so the Harry Potter <laughs> sales books. So, and I have another book. There's a follow up book for fanatical prospecting that'll be out later this year or very early in 2024. If I can just will myself to write one more, <laughs> I'm sure there's many more books inside you. And the price increase, especially if anyone's listening now, we're recording in you know March 23. Read. Uh, how to negotiate price increases and how to sell price increases. Yep, it's big time in Europe. I'm I'm heading to Germany yeah. on Saturday, and I'll be spending some time in Germany and in uh, and you know in Europe working with some teams specifically around price increases. All right, great. Well, Jeb, if you find yourself in London, let me know. We'll go out for a beer. That'd be great. Well, that sounds good because I will be in London. <laughs> so I'm flying <laughs> to London, and my brother's a professor over in Wales, so he's meeting me in town and. Uh, so if you're in the area, we'll uh, we'll definitely get together. That'd be great. I'd look forward to that. So right. let's get into the questions. Your your time's tight, and uh, we've agreed a few broad questions. So, um, kind of across all your clients, Jeb, that you work with, are there any kind of principles, approaches, kind of frameworks that you'd like to share about negotiating sales deals? Across the board, my best advice for companies when it comes to negotiating sales deals is do a good job at the selling process. So what a lot of sellers get to is they think and they and they view closing as an event that happens sometime in the future. So I'm going to have a closing event. And that closing event for most salespeople is going to include some level of negotiation. If it is a transactional short cycle sell, there may be an actual closing event where here's the contract signed there and we work out the deal right there on the spot. If it's a larger deal, 
The closing event is a series of you know, the, the attorneys have got the contract. So you're doing terms and conditions. You're doing a little bit of pre-negotiation. Then it goes to the boss and they come back to you. And can you do this? And then it ends up procurement. And then you're negotiating again. So all of those things are going to happen. But if you want to do a better job in negotiating, do a better job of selling. And, and that means that in particular, do a better job of discovery. So if I really understand what's important to the customer, if I have really gotten down into the weeds with them and I understand their desired business outcomes, I understand each of the stakeholders' list of things that they want, which includes both emotional and personal outcomes. If I understand how the organization is evaluating me and other vendors, if I understand the metrics that matter for the organization, if I'm clear about their real state, where they really are, which is sometimes difficult to get because They'll hold that back because they don't want to tell you like exactly where they where they really are in life. Like they'll keep that from you. But if you can get below the surface and grab that, and if they can define their future state, then what you should have done is built a really a, a an almost um, impenetrable business case that does the math for them, that helps them achieve their outcomes. And so your best case scenario is that you're not really negotiating over prices or rates or anything like that. You're negotiating a few terms and conditions on the contract, which you're always going to do. terms, length of contracts, termination rights. Yeah, and if there's lawyers involved, there's going to be there's going to be that negotiation. And in some cases, if you've been able to build a good enough business case, even when those things come at you, you're able to say, "Listen, those things don't matter. You need this." And so, so number one, if you want to be a better negotiator in sales, be a better seller. And if you do that. It gets it gets infinitely easier. The negotiations aren't these big tense, you know, strategy field conversations. You're the vendor of choice. They want to do business with you, and all you got to do is just work out the deal so that everybody can feel okay. So brilliant, absolutely, definitely uh, about uh, getting uh, better at selling and discovery, especially Jeb. I mean, we've talked about that before. It's how important that is. And also, I, I say to quite a lot of uh, people that I work with in the sales arena. You know, kind of, there is a time to stop selling. You know, yes. when it comes to negotiating contracts, you're not selling at that point because you've already done the selling if you've done your job. You're now negotiating terms and working out what some of the trades yes. might be. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And that's a really good way of saying it, Mike. You know, you're not, if you're, you've, they've already picked you. Yeah. Stop selling. <laughs> you're, you don't sell past the close, just work things out. And that's why. No, a lot of people don't understand this. Like it just goes right over their head. But I always tell people my very favorite words to come out of a stakeholder's mouth is, Jeb, we want to do business with you, but. Because that just tells me I've closed the deal and all we have to do is just work on the but. There's a gap and we just have to close the gap. And if you're if you're smart about it and everybody's being transparent, those are relatively easy to cover up. We had one that came in last night, Mike. We had a, uh, we're working on a deal in Las Vegas, and my rep called me and said, "Hey, the customer wants us to do this, and they it was a promise that we had made a long time ago. And what do I do?" And I said, "I said, I mean, just do the math on this thing. It's incredibly profitable. You're, you know, you're you're gonna you're you're gonna win long term because if you just look at the lifetime value of these deals, it's massive for us." And all they're asking you for is a win. Like they just want something. Like they want to know, feel like they want something. We're going to give up a little bit. Just tell them yes. And but don't just go. You tell them yes. Tell them you got you 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 found the Easter egg. You won. Like you you got something over on us. And make them feel that way. And she went back and did it and said the guy was so happy. He was laughing and joking about it. But 
you have to just use your noggin. It wasn't it didn't need to be adversarial in that in that case because it, we weren't giving up something that that was going to cost us too much, and it was just worth it to get the customer on. Brilliant. So um, I always say we go down some rabbit holes on these conversations because part of it's a few questions, but you just prompted something there. So ad hoc, Jeb. It's not. There's no traps here. <laughs> but the negotiation. Um, there's these. I often talk about these two dimensions, which is not my theory. Well researched. Uh, focus on the relationship. Focus on the content of the negotiation. And the best mm-hmm. deals are when you collaborate and focus on both in kind of equal portions. What's your experience around that? About how do you keep that balance straight? Well, the way that I look at it is this, and and in my book Inked, I talk a little bit about this, and that resentment and contempt are the gangrene of human relationships. And you should never forget that when you're negotiating a deal. Now, I'm not talking about if I'm negotiating a you know a dump truck coming to your construction site and picking up a load of dirt, and I'm never going to see you again. That's not what we're talking about. A transactional relationship. relationship. Yeah, if it's, a, if it's completely transactional, I'm negotiating for the very best deal that I can get without losing you. That's what I'm going to do. But when we, when we think about most business relationships, they're long-term. And what we hope to get out of these business relationships is to expand them down the road, to get renewals of our contracts, to, to basically be doing business with people for years and years to come. We, we can never forget that. And if your negotiation creates resentment, like in this situation, I was talking about the, the guy in Las Vegas, they, they wanted to do business with, they needed to do business with us. We could have easily said no. They probably still would have, would have signed. But my instinct says, why, why do I create resentment in a situation where I can create a win for my customer and they feel good about it and we win, you know, we win long term? So you've got to be careful that you don't create that that resentment, which when it turns into contempt, there's no saving the relationship. It's over. But the flip side of that is, and this is my admonition, is I'm not a win-win person. I'm a win-for-your-team person. And I say this for salespeople. Now, if I were having this conversation with, say, procurement or having this conversation with a group of attorneys or you know, really people doing different types of negotiation, I would say... It's not a bad thing to think about how both parties can collaborate to create a bigger pie for you. But in sales in particular, salespeople, typically sales and sales professionals, will take the path of least resistance to a commission check. So they walk into deals where they're, they're outgunned by people who are typically professional negotiators, people like you, who just know how to do this for a living. They are usually highly emotional because they want to close the deal and they're afraid to lose. And they, they walk in thinking about what can I give up to get the deal versus how do I protect my company? Yeah. So exactly. my message to them is you have to play, you're playing on your team. Your job is to protect your team. Your job is to win for your team. Just like the person on the other side of the table, it's their job to win for their team. So when you go into it and think win-win, it usually means you lose because as sales professionals, we give everything away to make the, the, the buyer happy and we lose, we lose points, we lose margin, we lose our paycheck. Exactly. So, so what I try to help salespeople understand is that it's your job to go in and play the chessboard to win for your team. You got to know where the lines are drawn. You got to know where you can give and take. And you've got to you've got to use emotional control and everything that you learned in discovery, including your calculator, to demonstrate why they should pay what they should pay, why they should give you the terms and conditions that you're asking for. At the same time, you cannot lose sight of the relationship 
because you're getting married to this this other person, this company over the long haul. So you have to you have to walk a fine line of nuance and manage both sides. And the 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 problem sometimes when we get into these conversations with folks like my rep last night is that is that for her it had become adversarial. She just wanted to win. Uh, okay. For, because she's competitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, it was I'm think I'm stepping into the buyer's shoes, and I'm thinking if I were in their situation, what would I want? And 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 I'll I'll give you an example because this happened to me just uh, recently. I went to one of my vendors and and asked for something. They gave me a price for it, and I negotiated. And my negotiation wasn't unreasonable. I just said, "Could I have a little bit more than you told me you were going to give me for the money?" Because I want to. I want to be able to feel comfortable that there's enough margin in this for us to work together. And I got a, an instant came back to me, doubled the price for the little bit more that I wanted. Instantly came back, and I was like, "Okay, well, I'm just not going to do it." Like it just. I mean, I, I said, "I'm done. I'm not going to do this." So there was no. no I, a little fact, bit of. I'm not doing any deal with you. No deal. There's no deal at all because of the way that it made me feel initially. And it was unreasonable. Like I was just asking for something reasonable and it wasn't the, 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 the little bit that I asked for the cost to the vendor was, was almost twice. Zero. Right. Yeah. It was, it was zero. There yeah. was no, there was no additional give because even in my mind, I thought I might not even use it. Yeah. But it'd be nice to have. I wanted to be comfortable, but what I all, what I really wanted as the buyer is I wanted to feel because it was an expensive proposition that I got something like I just wanted a little bit of a win, and that was all. And they and the person that I was negotiation negotiate, negotiating with didn't get the clue. Does that make sense? It's a perfect example. I did yeah. one the other week around a SaaS platform. SaaS platform pricing is SaaS platform pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, the salesman was talking to me, and we all I said was, "I just want. I don't want to pay the onboarding fee. Wasn't yeah. a lot." But it's like, it doesn't feel right. Came back, we can do that deal. The pricing's yeah. the same, but I can do the onboarding fee free of charge. What do you yeah. think? Can we close now? And I was like, great, done. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you felt good about it. And for them, the onboarding fee is just, all that is is just gravy, right? They, and you know that and they know that. Exactly. So, so it works really well. Yeah. And I think that I think you just have to have, you, you, you've got to have that, that, that clue and that idea and then you have to also understand what are the things you can't give away? Like, what are the things in your business that are non-negotiables? And, and even like, there are even ways to even work those out. So for example, our CFO and our contract and our attorneys and our contract that we typically have clients, there's a non-negotiable in there on venue. And it's in every single contract, everywhere it is, but we, are, we just are not budging on venue. Because we're a little tiny company, and if you're a big company, you you define the venue. The reason you do that is because if there's ever an issue, which there never has been in the history of our company, there's never been an issue. <laughs> but the day that there is, you know, you're going to go back and look at it and go, "What was I thinking?" So, but when companies push back about it, uh, what we have is a clause that is a it's a it's a negotiated clause. It is if you sue me, venue is here. If I sue you, venue is there. People won't agree to that. That becomes unreasonable, and that's a place where we'll draw the line and say we can't work together. And 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 that, but that's a little bit of a move. And you you need to have fallback positions in some cases that allow you to maintain the relationship. But the but the truth is that ninety nine percent of the time, the lawyers will dig in, but the salesperson will say, 
this is reasonable. Like this makes perfectly good sense. You know, we're not going to sue you and we're going we're not going to sue you, but if we do, we'll do it on your turf and if you sue us, you're going to do it on our turf. How easy is that? So I think that I think that for sellers it's understanding that but if you were to dive into our organization and we have a salesperson who is in the middle of that negotiation, they've got a big difficult time with that because they're like, yeah, no problem. Well, that doesn't matter to me. And that's what I mean by winning for your team. Like you've got to understand the unintended consequences of the things that you're negotiating and the things that you're giving away. And at the same time, it makes sense to be able to have some fallback positions so you don't get into a, the line is drawn here. Here's a reasonable place where we could meet that that works for both parties. And then if a party's being unreasonable, that tells you a lot about what the future relationship might be like or whether or not you're willing to draw the line in the sand. And in most cases, if you're willing to walk away, they'll they'll end up caving. So I I think that I think that's 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 super critical. I think the other thing, Mike, is is for, for sellers and this is true for like I, one of the things that I know is on your list of things because we did this in pre in the pre-show, but is what are some tips that you would give people before negotiating? For me, it's it's make sure that you're not negotiating with yourself. And <laughs> just explain so what that means, Jeb. So we've heard this discussion. What do you mean by it? Yeah. So what I mean by that in like in sales, and again, I want to you know you we talk about sales negotiation. It's not like. I'm negotiating, my, my dad's an attorney and my brother's an attorney and they negotiate, settle cases. It's a different animal that they're working with. They're, they're, it's not a sales and vendor relationship. So, uh, but what salespeople have a tendency of doing is they meet someone like you and you're a brilliant negotiator. You've been in the procurement shoes and you're a brick wall. Like, I mean, I just, I, w- I don't, I'm scared of you, but every time we talk, I'm like, I don't never want to negotiate with you. So, they, they run into you and you go, listen, um, you're going to need to go sharpen your pencil before we can take this to the next level. Um, I, look, before we take this into the committee, I'm going to need you to go back and take a look at this. This is a little bit too high. Your competitor is over here. And the salesperson then starts going, okay, well, I could do that and I could do that. And by the way, even if the request is, is reasonable, they start peeling pieces off of their deal. And, that, and it's, by the way, almost always rate or something that is adjacent to rate like payment terms or, um, you know, or a delivery Contract term, like that. Termination, things, yeah. things that impact the financials of, of the deal. And it's the number one mistake that they make. And salespeople have a really hard time with this because salespeople are givers. Salespeople are pleasers. We, we're, and we're, by the way, we're awesome at discounting. Like we're so good at it. And, and I mean, we spent years and years. It's like, like my, my golf game. I have spent 30 years perfecting a slice and it's awesome. I'm so good at it. So the, so the, the seller, right, who is good at discounting does that. But the buyer is not negotiating at that point. They're just asking. Like they're just saying, hey, before I do this, can you do that? And when sellers understand that you don't negotiate until they've picked you, all of a sudden, what you recognize is that as soon as you start negotiating before you've been picked, you start giving your leverage away for free. And I'm, you never give leverage away for free, ever. So what you have to do is say, if you said, oh, Jeb, listen, I need you to make some changes. I go, so Mike, we're, we're going to do business together, right? And you go, no, we're still looking at all the other vendors. I'll, I'll be upfront with you and say, Mike, listen, at the point that you've chosen me, like you pick me, I'll sit down with you and I will negotiate in good faith. 
I, we'll work something out. But until the point that you've picked me as a vendor, it doesn't make any sense for us to start negotiating terms and conditions Correct. because I'm just wasting your time and you're wasting my time. So you're negotiating we, against yourself. Exactly. What do we need to do to move this to a place where you feel comfortable at picking me as the vendor and then we can work on the deal? And and a lot of salespeople don't really have the like the the um, the courage to do that, but but the truth is is if you've done all the right things, if you've done discovery, if you've done your business case, if you've presented it to the buyer, at that point, it's it's reasonable to ask, "Am I the vendor of choice?" And if it's a really big deal, it's reasonable to go ask your coach or your sponsor. Listen, they're asking me to take some things off this deal. Have they picked me yet? And and that's I think that's. I'm not saying that's easy. It takes a lot of emotional fortitude to do that, but don't negotiate until you're the vendor of choice, either explicitly or implicitly. You know, they you're they you know that you're moving forward because you're you'll you'll just keep peeling things off the deal. And then what'll happen is at the end, they'll go, okay, we're ready to do business. You go, great, let's sign here. And they go, no, you got to go seek procurement. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Jeb, I'm very conscious that. I think you've got a hard stop in about two minutes, I think. So, Jeb, it's been amazing. Uh, as always, I love having conversations with you always, always, always. Um, where can people find out more about you? Yeah, you can uh, You can go to my website, salesgravy.com. So, salesgravy.com. You can go to jebblunt.com, B-L-O-U-N-T.com. You can also find me on Instagram. I'm at salesgravy, Twitter at salesgravy. Facebook at Sales Gravy, um, forward slash Sales Gravy at YouTube. You can listen to my podcast, which is Sales Gravy Jeb Blunt on all of the podcast distributors. And on LinkedIn, just type in my name and you'll find me there. Jeb, it's been amazing. Thank you ever so much for coming and being on the Drums Negotiation Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Drum Podcast series on Negotiation Insights with your host, Mike Lander. Please subscribe so that you'll catch the next episodes from our global marketing industry experts.